we can connect because we have some great needs. We've had some things we've been shouldering as a people over the last week and a half as we've been thinking about our brother Roger. It's been some weight that we've been carrying, some hurts that we've been storing up, some pain that we've been experiencing. And like those people, we desired relief. And people came to Jesus. They came to Jesus and Jesus provided relief, not just relief on the physical side, but he also gave some relief on the spiritual side. It was this relief that prompts us to enter into the book of Matthew chapter five, where we are going to be covering the Sermon on the Mount. This concept of kingdom come, which you see as the graphic that we'll be using for the next coming months. It's a it's a graphic that hopefully helps you see the 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 urban connection, how it is write down situations, problems, matters, all these things that we are dealing with today. Are situations that Christ wanted the people to bring unto him. But the way in which he responded, the way in which he talked about this concept of kingdom and his kingdom coming was different than anything someone would have expected. Might even seem bad for you. But ultimately, it's for your good. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We'll start with just verses one through six today. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We are a people, a body, a family right now that is in need. And I believe some of our needs can be met as we consider these scriptures. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It is very difficult to begin to experience any type of relief from the pain that losing someone like Roger brings, from the pain of losing anyone. It's very difficult to begin that process of healing, that process of, of just some sense of, Lord, help me. It's very difficult. When the Lord is not in our focus. You see here first. God is calling us to be poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. It is a it is a concept where where we are understanding that we have to be people that are broken. People that are in need, people that are not able to do it in and of our own strength, people who need who will submit 
who will understand their place in honoring the Lord and giving him lordship. People who are willing to submit to God. I was talking to one of my one of our friends, one of our church members, and he was telling me about uh, one of his beautiful children. So, yeah, man, as early as I can remember, this child wanted to do it by themselves. Was independent. You try to come alongside them, try to help them, try to provide them some support. And they would, no, I got it. I got it. I'm good. I'm good. Mine. I do it by myself. And unfortunately, we have people that are going through life today and they're saying to God, I'm good. I got it. I'm good, God. I'm good. Just because they had that Christian experience when they were six or accepted Jesus when they were 12. Are they poor in spirit, though? Did they truly say, Lord, I let you overtake all of who I am and I will submit to you as my Lord? Because that's what it means to be, to be blessed. See, there's some versions of the Bible that will take out blessed and, and pop in happy. But, but, but that's not the full context of what's happening here. Blessed means to be fortunate, to have God's favor upon you. It's almost like saying happy birthday. It's like saying congratulations. It's a, it's a celebration of you. It is God's favor upon you. And that's what it is to be blessed. We're not just trying to be happy because there are days when you're blessed, but you're not necessarily feeling emotions of happiness. We're in one of those seasons now. I like the way John Stott says it. He says that being blessed, this is what God says about People who are blessed. It is those who have nothing in themselves that God gives the kingdom of heaven, the comfort of heaven, the earth as their inheritance, the satisfaction of his provision, the mercy and vision of God, the right to be called his sons and daughters, the greatest of all rewards, a place in his kingdom. See, we're going to be blessed we got to first be poor in spirit. And if we are going to have any ability to carry and lift off some of the weights that's upon our shoulders, it starts with our brokenness, our recognizing that we are in need of a savior, a God who can take, who can help, who can step in when burdens and grief feel overwhelming. We cannot do it on our own. We need our Lord. But notice he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There is some connection to what poverty will do to you. When you don't have, you begin to acknowledge where things come from. When you are longing for something and need something and it comes, there are a sense of, of acknowledgement that it wasn't in and of your own strength. We all need some spiritual poverty in times when we are carrying weight, in times when we are grieving, in times when we are struggling. I like that, that this verse and verse 10 are not actions in what we are to be about, but declarations in who we are as people. 
It describes what the Christian is before talking of what the Christian should go and do, says Campbell, who wrote uh, a book called Opening Up Matthew. Describes what a Christian is before they say what you go and do. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, is the kingdom of heaven. Not future tense will be day one, accepting Jesus into your heart in a real way allows you to know I'm kingdom bound. It's one of the things I I appreciate about Roger. You know, in, in, in all of our programming, different programs, it's easier to, to kind of talk about Jesus and others, right? Like we want to be a gospel presence always, but we don't, we don't at the commons have a sign on the door like, you know, repeat the Ten Commandments in order to come in here and buy a coffee. You know, the, the gospel-centered expression in the commons is different than, say, the sports. But Roger was in his lane. Roger was one who would constantly come to me. Hey, pastor, I got some ways that I think maybe we can hit him with the gospel this way. Or you know what? Instead of the coaches doing it, why don't you come on these days and coaches will do it this day. That way we know they're getting like Roger was constantly about the God. Why? Because he himself shared with me what the gospel did for his life how it impacted him, how it gave him encouragement, how it built him up, and how he wanted to see other young women and young men, these kids, be able to experience that. And he knew that it doesn't happen in one time, so if we can say it over and over and over again, maybe these children will realize the need to depend on God. A need for their, their what is inside to actually be empty so Christ could fill them. My prayer is kids are right now struggling with our brother passing on. That they'll hold truth to some of those things he taught them about his Savior, about our Savior. One of the ways we try to deal with our needs and one of the ways we try to deal with our grief is to first acknowledge our need for God to step in. This message was one that that as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, you cannot go through the Sermon on the Mount thinking this is an evangelistic tool. These are words that Jesus is giving to help his body, his disciples, those following him and if you want to have a kingdom experience someday that will happen in the future when you pass but also happen today as you took your first breath after truly submitting to God's will if you want to have the God's kingdom come break into your now as well as your future it starts with being poor in spirit but notice being poor in spirit doesn't absolve us from worldly experience. It doesn't make our world just a happy world all the time where all we feel is fun emotions. Look at me in verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We're not removed from pain. We don't get to escape pain because we are Christians. Jesus himself experienced pain and was able to have heartbreak and heartache. Mourning, Bloomberg says from another commentary, he says, mourning includes grief caused by both personal sin and loss and social evil and oppression. But God will comfort now in part and someday fully in the future. There's a a real pain that we experience when we lose people that we love, when we no longer get a chance to be connected to people that we hold dearly. I, uh, I broke my, my, my pastor rule. I, I'm, I tried to defer and listen. Somebody came to me and said, hey, pastor, how are you doing? And usually what happens is when someone comes and asks me that, I'm, I'm in pastor mode. And so I say, man, thank you for asking. It's, it's not like a rehearsed thing. It's just like naturally kind of how God's wired me. I usually say, thank you for asking. Can you tell me how you're doing? No, I want to know how you're doing. And I didn't do that. We did the bonfire yesterday. His sister asked me how I was doing, and I just went for it. Yeah, I'll tell you how I'm doing. You know, God is good, and da da da, da. I'm missing my brother dearly. Uh, but, you know, I know his faith was deep in Christ, and and I realized as I left, like, man, maybe I've been in, in, in go mode thinking so much about others that I, that, I, that I haven't really stopped to allow the mourning to take place because I, I, I've been able to experience the love of this man, been able to experience joy with this man, been able to laugh and also uh, have a few disappointments with this man. Been able to have hopes for things we were going to do with Max Sports, and then sometimes those things don't pan out. There was a time where we working hard on this grant, and JD jumped in, helped finish the grant. We thought, okay, it's about to be on. We're getting this thing. We got plans for how the kids are going to be cared for, and then boom, no grant. Rejected. See, I've been through some of those ups and downs, and uh, and you have too. Many of you have walked with our brother. Mourning is real. But mourning is, is, is not all that we have. Nor should it be avoided. Nor should it be tucked away somewhere nice and neat, and we'll get to that later. There's a pastor who said that, uh, He got permission from one of his church members to share this story. He says, a friend of mine has a brain-damaged daughter. Sometimes the sadness she feels over her daughter's condition overwhelms her as it did recently. She wrote me this letter and gave me permission to quote from it. It says, I can hardly bear it sometimes. My most recent wave of grief came just last year before her 16th birthday as the day approached. 
As the day approached, I found myself brooding over all the things she would never be able to do. What did I do? What I've learned to do again and again. I did what I believe is the only thing to do to conquer grief, and that is to embrace it. I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I faced the truth of my grief head on. People who face their feelings and express them freely begin to journey towards hope. Hope. Hope is not wishful thinking, says one author, but it is the confident expectation that God will fulfill what he promised. And what did God promise? He promised that we would be reunited with him. There were believers who were struggling with, with what happens? Will I be able to see my loved one again? Will, will the sleeping be sleeping forever? And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 responds. Hear these words in the gospel, in, 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 in the text. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do, who do, excuse me, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. What are we saying here? We're saying that there is a grieving. There is a mourning. There is a a way that people mourn with no hope. As if this is the end, as if it's all over, as if, well, what do we just do now? But see, when you have hope, you can lean into the grief, acknowledge that mourning is real, that it is painful, but yet it is not the end. That we someday will see our brother again. That we will be able to rejoice in, our, in the presence of our king together. That what this team was doing up here was just practice for worshiping our Lord. And we'll be able to do it with Roger. We'll be able to sing. And we'll be able to sing with our brother. That his daughters, that his wife, that his friends, that his family, that his sister, that are broken, that believe they needed Jesus, that Jesus is the one that, that says you are poor in spirit, then let me enter in. Then he comes in the midst of our mornings and saying, there will be comfort. There will be comfort. Yes, you will experience a portion of that comfort today as Christ walked with us. And sometimes that's just a sense of his presence that you can't explain. Where somehow you are able to start getting through. But sometimes it's a friend who just says, come and cry. Cry, lean on my shoulder. Cry, I'll hold you. Here's a card, perfect words I needed to get me through this day. Yeah, we mourn, but we will experience glimmers of comfort today and ultimate comfort when we see our king. Continue with me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, 
for they will inherit the earth. Meek, it's a mildness, it's a gentleness of spirit, it's a, a humility. Meek, mistaken for for weakness, mistaken for being a, a pushover. I, I watch it with children all the time. Sometimes there's a little brother that didn't get the memo. Little brother is smaller. Little brother is younger. So little brother hasn't had as many experiences. Little brother isn't as wise as smart. Little brother is little. And big brother ain't. Big brother is a bit stronger. Big brother is a bit older. Big brother has seen a couple things a little bit wiser. And little brother sometimes doesn't get the memo that he little brother. And so he tries to maybe show his strength, show his power, use a little bit of force. And I see big brother restraining, holding back, not pummeling little brother, not checking him to let him know who's really in charge. Little big brother just... While he could use his strength to dominate, he holds back for the sake of his little brother. See, that's meekness. Meekness is not just for your own gain. It's not for you to get ahead. I like how one, one author, um, John McKee, says it. He says, meekness is when you recognize to put God first, then the needs of others next, and then your preferences last. Put God first, needs of others next, and your own comforts and preferences last. We are told that Moses was a man that did this, right? Chapter 12, verse 3 of Numbers says, now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. Y'all know Moses' story? Moses had a people that the Lord allowed him to lead, and some of those people were doing foolish, stupid stuff. And when Moses could have said, cool, y'all want us to worship this, this golden calf, go ahead and do that thing. Instead, he said, I'm going to go to God for y'all. I'm going to go to God for y'all. I'm going to intercede for y'all. I'm going to go and step in the gap. I'm going to go pursue God on y'all behalf. Times when, 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 when his leadership could have gone ways because he was held accountable by God and sometimes ridiculed by people, but he never flexed that muf- muscle. He seemed to not have a personal ego when people came at him. I can say for Roger, uh, I don't know, maybe there's some examples out there. You know, I know Monique got a bunch of them. I know his kids do. Hey, he was a human. But I can say in, in the times of intensity within Mac sports, when a parent is yelling at a ref, when a parent is yelling at a parent and y'all like, what, that stuff happened? Yeah, we a gospel-centered community and a gospel-centered organization, but everybody don't act gospel-centered all the time. So sometimes drama jump off. And when drama would jump off, I'm like, all right, let's go. You ready? Let's go, Roger. Let's go. And Roger's like, okay, pastor. I'll go talk to them. 
Roger would step into a situation, calm the situation, and still tell you what's going to happen, but, but it, in, in a meek manner where you knew he was in charge, but he didn't flex his muscle to put you in check. Didn't have to. Because he knew ultimately this decision laid with him. So if you wanted to keep wilding out, ultimately your child wouldn't be back. So he would care for you and show this meek posture. And, and, and it, was, it was convicting, right? Because now when I'm ready to get riled up and go, and I see him enter that way, it makes me say, okay, Lord, what does meekness look like for me at times? What does that, what does it mean to be a, a man that has that as a character trait? And why do you want that godly trait to be something that those who will inherit the earth will have? Why? Because it just continues to model and show your glory. It continues to show the beauty of the cross. It continues to show the gospel. Why? Because Jesus himself came down, stepped into our world took on flesh, and then modeled meekness by submitting to the will of the Father, submitting, submitting meaning choosing, submitting being modeling that meekness all the way to the cross. Could have at any time said, you know what, these people are tripping. Angels, get them. Done. But no matter what was thrown at him, no matter how he was undermined, no matter the ways in which they questioned his character and his theology, all the ways that we as humans brought things forth to put him on that cross, he never flexed his muscle to try to put us in our place. No, what he put in place was sin and death. So I'm grateful for those who who model meekness. It's crazy because I probably have more examples of Roger's meekness than Roger like going crazy, like, like tripping, you know, like, like, like. <laughs> and I'm grateful that, that the Lord blessed us with a brother that, that carried himself with that posture. Lastly, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Are you, are you seeing this kingdom dynamic, this kingdom paradigm? Are you seeing that things are a little bit opposite? The world would say, you be meek, you get run over. You have the chance to flex muscle, take advantage of it every time. You let them know who's in charge. The world would say poor, poor in spirit, poor in anything. Why would that get you ahead? The world would say our comfort is in moving on. So instead of mourning with the hope of someday having comfort, why don't you fill yourself with shopping? Why don't you fill yourself with eating? Why don't you fill yourself with lashing out at everyone else so you can deal with your mourning and just move on? 
instead of understanding that your ultimate comfort comes from Christ. See, that's a worldly way to think. And God flips his expectation of his people. Because I understand you're grieving. I understand you're hurting. Come do things my way, the kingdom way, and you will be blessed. Doesn't mean you'll always have joyous emotions. Doesn't mean you'll be happy every day. What it does mean is you will have my favor on you. Even as you grieve. Lastly, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for theirs shall be satisfied. I've been trying to read different commentators and and make sure that my mind was wrapped around this. I'm like, is it really this simple that 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 part of like a gospel experience is is people pursuing righteousness, but there's there needs to be some sense of a hunger for it. There's got to be a, a sense of brokenness. There needs to be a, a further sense of of poverty. And uh, this text actually speaks more towards the physical poverty that there needs that there are times of something missing in your life where you make a recognition that, oh, Man, me not having that, me not having this, I need God. There are studies that have continued to be done that just say, just just flat out, the gospel spreads more rapidly in impoverished communities. Does that mean impoverished people will will say yes to Jesus all the time more than rich people. Nope, we're not trying to just compare communities. But what we are saying, though, is that there's a, there's a recognition of need that tends to happen when you are broken in both spirit and broken physically. You acknowledge that you can't do it yourself a bit quicker when you can't do it yourself. And so we can truthfully look at statistics of gospel conversions and growth and impoverished communities the gospel flourishes in at a greater rate don't take that and run with it don't start saying now that that affluent neighborhoods don't need the gospel and they will reject it no no god will do his thing but there's something about God's favor on those who don't have. Maybe one of the ways in which they are able to receive is when the church that does have blesses and is a tool of God's grace unto those that don't have. We used to have uh, these like all these different aspects of dignity building that Roger was doing, right? Because we was out there at Pingree doing our thing, and, uh, and he, he, would, he would set up uh, these bucks. What are they called? Mac, Mac bucks? What are they called Mac bucks, Jenny? Mac dollars. Yeah, get a Mac dollar when you memorize a memory verse. But see, what, 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 what we didn't understand was that some kids were coming to practice, ready to play. Some kids are coming hungry. You had some households pulling up in a Tesla and some households not being able to pay the phone bill to text anyone. Some kids were coming hungry, but instead of just saying, here's free food, which at times we did. There was also a way that you could earn it. 
have a bit of dignity about yourself and feel like you had put your best foot forward. And so these kids were now earning these bucks and you should see the way they were smiling when they was picking out their chips, you know what I'm saying? Picking out their hot dog and pop, you know, just, just feeling a sense of dignity. But, but that was like the, the Mac development way. But Roger took it to the next level sponsoring kids to go on trips and taking kids to Chicago and and getting them involved in the junior NBA and junior NFL and going on college tours and all of these things. Very little money. If, if, if at all, any money sometimes. Why? Because he wanted their need to be met, but also the gospel to be infused in that experience. I was struggling because I'm like, boo, uh, end of the week when I talked to Monique and my brother, it was confirmed that my brother had passed. I was like, I got to change the sermon. I need to, I need to veer from, from, uh, from the Sermon on the Mount for one more week, and I'm going to preach on on this topic. And then she just said, like, but but I I see, you know, what the church family needs and Roger all in these verses. And 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 it was and it was clear to me like just that the Lord had lined up a number of things. Lined up our sermon series. But greater than that, lined up a life of a man that we were blessed by and that we will miss dearly, grieve, mourn, but we don't do it like the world. We do it knowing that God is in control and that someday we will be able to celebrate in our Father's presence, delighting with our brother again. I ask you, to consider lifestyles that model after Jesus. This kingdom environment, this kingdom mindset, this counter to the world living, I ask you to consider it. Consider it not just for the impact that it's going to have on the world. Yep, it's going to affect your children. Yes, it's going to affect those in our community. But also it's a tool for healing for us. When we live lives that model meekness, when we live lives that, that display our, our brokenness and our need for Jesus and his filling us, when we live lives where we're not trying to say, oh, you know, I know he's gone, but God is good and we are okay. Like, like no, that we are broken, but that God enters into our brokenness and walks with us. And that we know that this is not the final say. When we live out this kingdom reality, God is glorified. And that burden that we carry gets just a bit lighter with every step of living out this gospel that God empowers us, equips us, and sanctifies us to be able to do. Sermon on the Mount. It's a sermon for God's body. And if you are not a part of God's body, then we ask you today, reconsider. Reconsider the road you're on. Reconsider the life you're living. Reconsider the one you are submitting to because you are submitting to someone. 
we offer you the opportunity today to submit to Jesus. Submit so that the kingdom of heaven, that which will break into our reality and restore all things, this earth will be renewed and there will be nothing but joy. There will be no more pain. That's why we will be comforted and mourning will leave. Why? Because we won't have a broken heart anymore. There will be a day when all we know is joy. All we know is celebration. All we know is happiness. Come experience that. Come know what that means. Come and have that be a new reality. But that only happens through Jesus Christ. And so we offer you today the opportunity to accept Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. Accept him in as one who can lead you far better than you can. Accept him as one who allows us to, to be in the presence of the Father and someday allows us to rejoice with those that loved him and have gone on before us. Accept him. If you want to accept the measure of Savior, simply repeat after me. Jesus, I know that I sin, that I do things I shouldn't, and that I can't stop. That I need you to fill me, to break me from the patterns of sin so that I might live for you, live in righteousness. Allow me to be broken, one poor in spirit, so you can fill me, so that I may live for thee. Then let me walk in a way, let me live in a way that would bring you joy. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have uh, prayed that prayer and believe that today, uh, you have a church family here that is celebrating you and celebrating what God is doing in you. And we want you to connect with us. Please reach out. Uh, there's a link that'll be in the chat that should, uh, where you can just fill out information. We want to follow up with you. Uh, even if you say, hey, pastor, uh, I, do, I just accepted Jesus, but I don't want to go to your church. That's okay. We want you to grow in Christ, and we want to see that happen anywhere. doesn't have to be here, uh, but we welcome you uh, to be a part of this family.